Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we wrap up our series, Dangerous Prayers. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning, community. How you doing? Good, good, good. Um, I'll tell you what, I am totally just amped about being here this morning. And part of it is I still, I mean, from the last service, was just spectacular. And part of the reason is because today, you may or might know this, is Commissioning Sunday. All right, some of you know that. All right, you're already pumped about it. That's awesome. And here's the deal. I want to kind of start by telling you where we're going to end up. And here's where we're going to end up. At the end of the service, we're going to give our, we have a number of our small groups uh, who've come together. And these are groups that are, I mean, they're doing life together, but they're also saying, you know, we have a real clear mission. In many cases, a written-down mission. Here's what we're about. Here's kind of our, our, our calling to our neighborhood, to a, to a particular cause or a people or even, and, and even a community. And we're going to have them up here on the stage, and we're going to pray for them. We're also going to anoint them as a sign of our blessing and commission them, say, hey, when you walk out the doors, you go with our blessing. You go make a difference in the world. You help people find their way back to God. We're behind you. And that's going to be awesome. Now, what you might not know is in addition to that, too, um, after that, we're going to give each and every one of you an opportunity to also come forward right down here to have someone just quickly pray for you, but also anoint you. And the anointing, going back to the Old Testament, is a sign of a blessing. That if you're, that if you're kind of, either maybe you already know, going like, you know what? There's a reason God put me in that workplace. There's a reason God has me in this neighborhood. There's a reason God has me involved with this cause. And you want to come forward, we want to come forward, and we want to bless you and say, hey, you go with our blessing um, or in some cases, maybe you're going to discover that as we talk this morning, go like, you know what? No, I want in on that. All right. You guys ready to go? Hey, you ready to go? Come on. There we go. All right. Here we go. Um, here's where I'm going to start. Have you ever said yes, uh, to go someplace? Yes, to go someplace. And then later on wondered what in the world have I got myself into? You ever had that happen? Um, I just got back from a trip to India um, I'd never been there, and I'd wanted to go to India for, for, for a long time. And part of the reason I wanted to go to India is because in India, I mean, it's, it's like, a, there's a real, it's a real Eastern kind of culture. You can go to other parts of the East, like if you go to Seoul, South Korea, and you get there, I mean, you walk around, and it's like Manhattan, it's like New York City. It doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, everything's in English, it doesn't feel like the East. But you go to India, it's going to be like the East. And uh, so when I got the opportunity to speak, they asked me to come and speak at the World Christian Convention. Doesn't that sound like a big deal? World Christian Convention. Turns out it's not a big deal. But anyway, um, they asked me to come speak, and it's going to be in Delhi. I was actually kind of excited about it. I told my wife, Sue, I said, hey, why don't we go together? We'll, go, we'll visit Delhi, this very cosmopolitan city, get to experience an Eastern culture. We'll go see the Taj Mahal, right? It's going to be awesome. So I said yes, right? All good. After I said yes, I found out that they moved the location of the convention, and uh, here's what happened. Actually, what went down is the local government came to the leaders of this convention, this conference, and they said, hey, if you want to have this in Delhi, the local government does, you need to take care of us. Basically, they're looking for a bribe. And then also, some of the local media came and said, hey, if you're going to have this Christian conference here with all these people here in Delhi, you want us to report good things in the news, the media, you need to take care of us. A bribe. And so Dr. Lal, who is kind of, who's one of our partners and friends over there, who was overseeing this whole thing, he basically said to the government and the media, he said, okay, forget it. Forget it. I'm not doing it here. And he moved the conference from New Delhi to his hometown, Damo. All right. 
so give you a little idea what the mo is like. Let's imagine that you're all going to a conference and you know, yeah, you're going to get some business done, but it's also going to be kind of fun because you're going to Chicago. You're going to Chicago, great restaurants, fun nightlife, you're going to have a great time. And then all of a sudden you get word that they've moved the conference from Chicago to like uh, Manuka. <laughs> right? Anybody here from Manuka? Sorry. Oh, we got, no, we got a couple. Okay. Oh, how about Green Bay? They moved it to Green Bay. We all hate Green Bay, right? There you go. We can get on board with that one. And actually, so they're moving to Demo, Demo, India, which is, I mean, and I, I talked to a friend of mine who worked at a mission there, and he, said, he told me this. He says, Dave, there are no hotels in Demo that I would even, that I would even consider having you stay in. And then he said, he said, and Dave, he said, there are actually, there's no, there are no restaurants in Demo that I would have you eat in. So um, I went, my wife decided not to go. <laughs> and just to show you how far out in the boonies it is here, I, I, this is a little travel log. On the way, on the way to Demo, I'm going to show you some video that I took just with my iPhone. On the way to Demo, look, this is how much in the boonies we are. Look at this. There's like monkeys all over the place, like this troop of monkeys. That's on the way to Demo, all right? Where am I? And then on the way back from Demo, let me show you what I ran into. A caravan of camels. And I don't know what you call it. What do you call someone? Is this like a shepherd? Look at this guy here in a second. You'll see him here. I don't know. You know, I don't. So anyway, I mean, that's, that's where I was. All right. And all goes back to this question. You ever, you ever found yourself saying yes to going someplace? And then wonder, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Well, here's the deal. Understand this. When you say yes to being a follower of Jesus, the truth is you will not always know what you're getting yourself into. See, saying yes to Jesus means a life full of unexpected twists and unexpected turns. In some cases, you're going to find yourself in places that are extraordinarily far better than you ever imagined. And other times, you're going to find yourselves in places that are way, way more challenging than you ever thought you could handle. And here's why. And I say this to every one of you because I know many of you, you're in a place where you're considering following Jesus. Some of you more just recently followed Jesus. Some of you have said yes to following Jesus. And here's the deal. Following Jesus means going wherever he sends you. Because he gets to be Lord, Right? This is where you say amen. <laughs> All right. He gets to be Lord. And if he gets to be, there you go, nicely done. I wasn't expecting that one. When he gets to be Lord, okay, you go wherever he sends you. Now, here's the deal. We're wrapping up this series called Dangerous Prayers. And we've been challenging one another to pray these kinds of prayers that are, I mean, are not for the faint of heart. They're born from this deep kind of desire to experience something more and to not miss out on the great adventure that God has for our lives. And these prayers have been praying. I've, I've prayed these prayers. I know what they can do. And my hope for you is that you'll look back on this series, and these have developed a discipline of praying these dangerous prayers. And you look back and say, you know what? Those dangerous prayers led me into the greatest time of spiritual growth ever. And as you pray these dangerous prayers, I'm telling you, they're going to cause you, okay, and challenge you to, to grow in at least one or two or three of these different kinds of relationships. We, we call them, like, first of all, this, this relationship, uh, what we call a relationship with God or celebrate. It's going to challenge you to grow in a new depth in your relationship with God. Or it may, or and, it may cause you to grow in your relationship with the church, the people around you. 
How do we get each other through this thing called life together? How do we really stay committed together as a community? But there's also this part of contribute, our relationship with the world. How do I continue to make a difference in the world the way God desired for me to do? And we put these together, we call them the three C's. And kind of by way of a little commercial too, and we keep pushing this every week, we have what we call the three C spiritual growth plan. All right, and this growth plan helps you identify your personal strengths, discover opportunities for growth, and set goals uh, to track your progress. It's an online tool. It's free. It's our, kind of our 1.0 version. I'm very pleased with how it's turned out. We're going to keep making this better and better. We've had hundreds of people use it. I would encourage you, please, please, please check it out and uh, take, advantage, take advantage of that. So today, okay, <clears throat> we're focused on the sea of contribute and our relationship with the world. The longer I follow Jesus, uh, the more I love God, and the more I study scripture, the more I'm convinced that God, God has called every one of us to join Jesus in his mission for making this world all that God meant for it to be. And this, this, this dangerous prayer that we're going to look at today comes from this kind of mysteriously interesting passage of the book of Isaiah. And, and here's what Isaiah actually says. Let's go to the next slide. He says this, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah says this, here am I, send me. All right, say that after me, send me. A little more gusto, send me. All right, that's a dangerous prayer. We just said it out loud to one another, but when you begin to pray that prayer to God, say, God, you send me. Because you're Lord and you get to pick, you send me. That becomes a dangerous prayer. Because what it does is it makes you available for God to use wherever he wants, for him to deploy you wherever he needs you. Theologians call this kind of the prayer of availability, the prayer of availability. And to pray this dangerous prayer means you may not know exactly what you got yourself into. Because see, we usually want to know. We want to know all the W's. We want to know who, what, when, where, why. But when we have the courage to pray, God, just whatever you want, you send me. We move forward without all the answers. And see, this morning, I think, is a little bit of kind of a test of our spiritual fortitude. Do you have the guts? Do you have the courage? Do you have the faith to say, you know, okay, God, you're so good to me, and I've said you're Lord, send me. Will you pray that prayer? And I want you to wrestle with this, okay? And we're going to give you a chance to respond at the very end of the service here and say, yeah, Count me and send me, send me. Now, now to better understand this, I think we have to understand Isaiah's story. And we want to back up to the very first verse. It's a, it's a book by the name of the same person, Isaiah. And here, here's what it starts out this way. It says in chapter six, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, if you're reading the Old Testament, you're reading Isaiah, you're probably just going to skim right past that part. But actually, it's quite important for understanding the whole story. Because as Isaiah looked out at the world, the world that he saw then was a world... Not unlike our own today, a world filled with problems, a world in turmoil, a whole lot of chaos, a world filled with pain. Now, the Israelites had come out of a a time of really stability under King Uzziah. He'd reigned for 50 years, and that 50 years he brought peace and he brought prosperity, but now the king had died, and with the king had died, there was a leadership transition, and with that leadership transition came a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty in a lot of ways. From the outside, on the outside, they had this enemy in Assyria who was always threatening, but now they didn't have a a leadership transition, so so that that enemy even seemed more ominous 
from the outside. But there was also kind of some things going on the inside because they weren't being God's people. There, there was, uh, they were worshiping idols. There was, there was consistent disobedience. They, they were being who they wanted to be rather than who God was calling them to be. And so in the middle of all of this, Isaiah does what he always does, a part of his routine. He prays. Which is one of the things I think we're learning during this series. No matter what's going on in the world, okay? No matter what's going on in the world that has us on the edge or nervous or anxious, we always begin with prayer. That's where we go. And so Isaiah does this. He goes to the temple to pray. It's part of his routine. But something just remarkable kind of happens. As he's praying, just his routine prayer, he has this wild and unexpected spiritual experience. And in this experience, he has a vision. He has a vision of God on the throne, and he's in his temple. And, 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 and it's strange because like he, in his vision, he watches all the temple decor like come to life. And, and here, he, he tries to describe it in the next few verses. He says this, in the year of King Uzziah died, he's praying. He said, what I saw is I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, two that covered their faces, two that covered their feet, and two that were flying. And as they're flying, here's what happens. They were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and, and their voices reverberated with such power. Look what happens. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. All right, try to imagine this vision that God was giving Isaiah here. Isaiah's kind of first response to this kind of mind-blowing vision is just, to, just kind of to shrink back. He, he just says, whoa, woe whoa, whoa to me. Who, who am I? I know we have a messed up world, but God, I, I'm a mess. When, when it comes to you, God, how could you ever use me in this messed up world? That's, that's his reaction to the holiness and the greatness of God. But as he's kind of wallowing in this self-doubt, God does something symbolic in this vision. It says this. Go to the next slide. It says this. Then one of the seraphim, and the seraphim, when you hear a seraphim, that's like an angel. Okay, one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal. And when you think of the live coal, I'm not going to go into all detail of this, but the idea there was behind it was this hot coal was a symbol of purification. It was a symbol of, of forgiveness and grace, purification. And it says, he took it with the tongs, from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth. The mouth was seen as a place where, where sin would kind of either exit, you can imagine that with words we say, or also enter in. And so he touches his mouth, and then he says this to Isaiah, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Okay, I'm not kidding you. This is strange stuff, right? But this is all the vision. This is this vision that, that God's given to him. But in this vision, his sin and his guilt are atoned for by the purifying touch of the coal. And now he just stands amazed at this encounter with God and God's grace and his forgiveness that he's received. And then he hears God. As he's looking at what's going on in the world, he says this, God says this, okay, Isaiah, who shall I send? Isaiah, who's gonna go for us? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Who's gonna go for us? And what God is looking for, okay, he's looking for a representative to send back into this pain-filled, problem-filled world. 
And Isaiah, who's just now had this, this kind of this life-changing encounter with God, he's changed by this touch, right? This touch of grace, this touch of forgiveness. Suddenly encouraged, the courage wells up inside of him. And, here's what and this is what I hope happens for every one of you. The, the courage wells up inside of you today. He, he, he finds himself responding to God's question. He says, here am I. God, send me. Send me. And that is a dangerous prayer to say, send me. And I can't help but notice the parallels in our lives today, in our world today. We live, I mean, if you're watching, if you're watching anything on TV or reading the news or you're online, we live in an uncertain, problem-filled world, a pain-filled world. I think in the same way today as back then, God has a dream. God has a dream for exactly how he meant this world to work. And he wants to use people that have experienced the touch of God's grace and forgiveness. Let me just put you on the spot, okay? I'm going to ask you to respond. How many of you, you know what it's like to receive, at least to receive God's grace or his forgiveness? You're going like, yeah, I know what that's like. Let me see your hands. Go ahead. Come on, see it. Way up there, too. I'm going to just, yeah? How about up there? Yeah, you got all the way up there, too? Good. <laughs> yeah? All right. We know what that's like. And what he's saying, he says, I'm looking for, who can I send? Who can I send? Those of you that experience, take it out to the rest of the world to share that with them. Who can I send? And the question for us today is, how are we going to respond? What will we say? And, and you're probably sitting there thinking, well, I, I mean, I know the answer. I'm supposed to say, oh, send me, right? <laughs> I'm supposed to say, send me. But, I mean, that feels like something, you know, like Isaiah would say. That feels like something, you know, a professional God person on a church staff might say. Something like that, right? <laughs> but I don't know, me. Here's the thing I, I really want to drive home today. I think this dangerous prayer, send me, is meant for every single person who decides to be a follower of Jesus. I want to go back and flip to the New Testament. Here we go. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes this. He says, see, we are God's handiwork. We're created uniquely, every one of us, created in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. This, this verse has probably changed my life almost more than any other verse. Why? We were created by Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What he's saying is before you were even born... There was this, this, these good works that God put inside you. He said, hey, I'm counting on you to do those good works, prepared in advance. Does that make sense? That's what, and he said that for you and for you, every one of us. There are good works, right, that he meant for you to do ahead of time. <clears throat> and it's not just for some of us, because then Jesus, before he left, he says, now having an understanding of that, here's, here's the deal. All of y'all, everybody, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to all of creation. The challenge was not just to a couple followers or some of his followers, but to everyone who says they're a follower of Jesus. I want you to respond with the prayer of send me. I'll tell you, let, let me explain this a little different way. Um, I want to take a, kind of a different angle on it. People who are, uh, people who are smarter than me on this, on this topic have explained that the world can best be understood by dividing it into what they call the seven domains of society. All right, the seven domains of society. Now, these seven domains, uh, some people will say there's eight, some people say there's nine, but everybody agrees on at least these seven. All right, let me kind of explain these seven domains of society, and I want you to kind of identify which one you kind of feel like vocationally, okay, and, and gifted-wise you would fall into. They talk about this arts, the arts and entertainment domain, okay? This is full of anybody who has a full or part-time job. Maybe you're performing arts, visual arts, acting, singing, graphic designer, all that kind of stuff. Then there's the business domain. Business domain, that can be anybody from working on an assembly line to sales to a desk job to a CEO. 
Then you have the education domain. The education domain, that includes teachers, students, administrators, coaches, uh, professors, that kind of thing. Then you have the government domain. Anybody in here who gets a check from the government, okay, you're part of this government domain. Then they have the family domain. The family domain could be a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, anybody who works in a profession that kind of supports the family. Then you also have the media domain. And the media domain could be things like print media or televised media or online media. And then over here, you have the religious domain. And this is anybody who works for a church or maybe a church-related kind of a not-for-profit organization. Are you tracking with me? Give me a little something. Yeah? Well, let me, let's just test out. Um, so, sir, what, what, do you, what do you do for a living? Painting and remodeling. So painting and remodeling, that's probably right here in this business domain. Okay, this is, where, this is where you, every day, you know, you get up and this is the domain of society you go into. All right, I'm going to pick on somebody else. Uh, yes. Do you, what do you do for a living? You're what? A dog groomer. So it sounds like you probably have your own business. And so that's probably also in the business domain. Uh, somebody else who's not in the business domain, give me one. Where? Who's teacher? Teacher. Yes, absolutely. Teacher. So teacher, of course, would be in the help me out people. What? Education domain. So I need all of you to kind of figure out, okay, which of those seven different domains do you go to? Like you leave those doors and that's where you go on Monday morning. Now here's what I find. Most of us think that in order for us to pray, send me, or in order for us to be sent like Isaiah, or for us to do the good works, right, that God prepared in us advance for us to do, we think, okay, somehow, I might be, what, 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 what kind of a job do you have? Video editing? So we're going to put you in the arts and entertainment, okay? So what most people think is, oh, if I'm going to do the good works that God wants me to do, I have to go all the way over here and do something religious domain. I got to come and volunteer back here. I got to do something that has a Christian label on it. I can do something like that, right? That's what most of us think. And I think some ways the church has kind of perpetuated that. And here's the problem. The problem is we think somehow, we got a paradigm, we think that the only domain that the church exists in is this one right here, the religious domain. That's not the case. You know where the church exists? Here's where the church exists. Let's show it right here. There's where the church exists up here. So when you get up on Monday morning, guess what? You pray, send me, and he sends you right back out there. And he says, no, you're my representative in that domain. Teachers, you're my representative in that domain. Business folks, you're my representative in that domain. You go out there and you make a difference. You help the world become all that God meant for it to be in that domain. Are you with me on this? Does it make sense? Come on, because if not, I'm going to do it all over again. Yeah? Because I think this is really important stuff. I think we've really got this thing screwed up. Because I don't, you know what? Here's the deal. We need a, let's go back to the previous slide. I'm kind of messing with my PowerPoint people back. Very good. Nice to that. Sometimes what happens is we challenge everybody, hey, we need workers in Kid City, we need small group leaders, we need ushers, we need greeters, and we do. And next week I'm going to come back and I'm going to challenge all of you to do that, okay? <laughs> but don't let that fool you to think this is the only domain where you can do God's good work. Because let's go back over here. Here's where we all are. That's the church. We come together on Sundays like this. This is the church um, gathered, right? And we're going to walk out those doors after, this, after an hour or so, and then we become the church scattered, into the, every domain of society. Let me give you an example. Uh, Chuck's a guy who attends here at Community. Uh, Chuck was sitting right down here at the 930 service. He, uh, he grew up uh, going to church, uh, but for him it was probably more of an obligation than something he enjoyed. As a young adult, he went off to the University of Illinois to study architecture. Um, while he was curious about spiritual things, he kind of quit going to church and really focused all of his attention on building up his business, he had this goal. He wanted to have his own architecture firm by the age of 30. 
Well, by the age of 30, he had his own firm and it was well on its way to being successful. A few years into having his own business, he got invited on a week-long trip to Honduras. There was a group of people that were talking about how they could build schools for children in, in, in this impoverished country in Honduras. Well, it happened to be there were a number of pretty influential business guys that were going on this trip. And so Chuck said, yeah, if they're going, I can make some good connections business-wise. I'll go on this trip. So he had kind of some ulterior motives. So he went on this trip to make some of the connections. Well, it turned out on the trip to Honduras, he loved it. Just loved it. In fact, he loved it so much, he ended up being the guy who volunteered to design the first school building. That first school building was such a success the Honduran government came back to him and said, hey, would you do another one? And that was such a success, they came back and said, would you do another and then another? Well, Chuck found tremendous fulfillment in doing this. And now 20 years later, he and a handful of friends founded a separate not-for-profit called Schools for Children of the World. And he has built more than 100 schools in places like Zambia, Tanzania, Kenya, Liberia, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Honduras. Is that awesome or what? And here's the thing I want you to get, okay? And this, I think it's so important that we get this as a church. He did not have to come all the way over here to Community Christian Church and say, hey, how do I do this under the roof of one of our Community Christian Church locations? Did he? No! God already, he just said, send me, right? In so many words, send me. And God sent him to Honduras. And guess what? He's doing God's work in Honduras in a powerful, powerful way. One of my favorite stories he told me, because I was asking about his motivation, and he, he sent me this picture of Christo, okay? Christo's a junior high boy in Honduras who's confined to a wheelchair. Where Christo lives, there are almost no facilities that are wheelchair accessible. But thanks to Chuck and his team at School for Children of the World, Christo now goes to school where the classrooms and the bathrooms and the entire school were built with him in mind. Is that awesome? What I want to do is, I just gave you Chuck's story, because I want to give every one of you a vision of what could you do if you said, send me, send me, God, back into that domain of society that you have for me. What difference could you make? See, the question for every follower of Jesus is not, are you sent by God? Because you are. You are. Every one of us, we're sent. We're sent back into arts, entertainment, business, education, government, family, media, and a few of us, okay, into the religious domain. The question is not, are you sent? The question that is in front of every one of us this morning is, will you say yes? Will you dare to pray the prayer, God send me? God send me. I just want, I want to just, let's be really clear with this. The church was never meant to be a place just for you to outsource your kind of spiritual development to. From the very beginning, the church was seen by Jesus and, and I think appointed by God to be a movement, a sent community, sent into every domain of life. And today, okay, this is why I love commissioning something. Today we want to acknowledge that. Here at Community, um, we're like a church of small groups. Uh, and we challenge every person to get connected into a small group. And then we ask every one of those groups, hey, try to identify a mission that you have. And you're going to see on the screen here, kind of scroll a whole bunch of different missions that, that these, uh, some of these small groups have. Uh, we have a group in Bolingbrook, and they've said that their small group mission is just to reach their neighborhood. They feel sent to their neighborhood. And um, 
They, they intentionally, they, they are intentional about trying to learn the name of every person in their neighborhood. They're intentional about inviting everybody in that neighborhood uh, over for meals. They're intentional about planning events like block parties and that kind of stuff. Why? Because they want that neighborhood to become more like God meant for it to be. We got another group, another group who's partnered with World Relief's refugee program. They've become what they call friendship partners. And they help refugees get settled into new and unknown places. And they use our blessed practices. And in their own words, they said, it's led to friendship, breaking down walls, and just so much fun. We got another small group. I love this. They throw a birthday party every month for people in a homeless shelter in the uptown neighborhood of Chicago. So every month what they do, and they've done this for the last three years, they bring cupcakes, they play games, and they celebrate the birthdays of these men, women, and children who never get celebrated. Is that awesome? That's the good work. See, that's the good work that God has for them. And so with that in mind, um, I'm, I'm really excited for us to enter into this time of commissioning. The, the word commission, did you know this? The word commission itself means to entrust with mission. It means to entrust with the mission. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, several of our small groups. We had a whole bunch of the 930 service. I, we got a whole bunch more. I'm going to ask you to come to the stage right now uh, to join me uh, along with some of our leaders uh, who are going to uh, pray over them and then also uh, and then anoint them and uh, as a symbol of, of our blessing. So if you want to come on up to the stage. Some of these groups um, have what we call our, our, have one mission and they've all rallied around one particular mission and that one particular mission is something they're all committed to and they go after kind of like the illustration that I gave of throwing, uh, throwing parties for a homeless shelter or working with refugees or in their neighborhood. But there's also some of the groups that also have multiple, we call multiple missions. And in those multiple missions, it's like different people, they have different kind of missions, but they get together and they encourage one another and they hold each other kind of accountable and say, no, we're going we're gonna to carry out these missions together and we're going to encourage one another uh, in it as well. And um, I'll tell you what, we should just, uh, I think we give them a little encouragement. This is, this is awesome. <clears throat> this is even more people than I thought. It's good. And I'll tell you what, if our leaders want to go ahead, you can start anointing. And you'll notice um, the anointing, okay, with oil. It, it's actually something from the Old Testament. Whenever you wanted to kind of, uh, uh, kind of share a blessing or give your blessing to someone, you, you could actually anoint them with oil. And that, that would be actually a sign that you have our blessing. And so as we pray for them and then we also anoint them, we want them to know that they go into these neighborhoods, into these communities, back out those doors into the world with our blessing and our encouragement. Um, as a part of uh, their church. And um, I'll tell you, would you just do me a favor if you would? Let's go ahead and just reach out your hand. Would you reach your hand like this? And I'm going to say a prayer and I sh- out loud. You can just pray silently uh, for, the, for these folks. Father God, you have called us into being through your love. For we are your handiwork. We're, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, good works that you prepared in advance for us to do. 
And so Lord, right now, we commission each and every one of these individuals, each and every one of these groups to your cause, to your mission, and the restoration of your dream, whether it's for an individual or for a family or for a neighborhood or a community or a country or the entire world. Lord, you have called us to bless those around us, not just to be blessed. All the earth is yours and all the people are your children. May the light of your word guide us. You've created us as divine bearers of your image to those around us. I ask that you use each person here and each group represented to help others find their way back to you. Use us as a part of your plan for restoration. We accept your commissioning into this world and Lord, we pray just as Isaiah did. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.